This week in Baby Quest, we get to meet Eliza. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Welcome to Baby Quest. I'm Mike. And I'm Leah. Hi, how are you? I'm okay, how are you? Mm, okay. This is gonna be maybe not such a funny episode? I don't know. It might still be hilarious. Mm, there might be a few less laughs. Fewer. <sighs> right. Yeah, so we're picking up where we left off last week, which was we're in the hospital, it's... and we just received the news that Eliza uh, no longer has a heartbeat. Yes. And so at that point, we were kind of given the option of what we wanted to do. I knew I would have to be having a C-section, but the doctor kind of gave me the option to do whatever I wanted. I could have been admitted then and I could have stayed overnight in the hospital. Uh, she did give me the option to have the C-section that night. But if we had chosen to have the C-section that night, it would have been considered an emergency C-section. And so in discussion with the doctor and Mike, we decided that we would wait till the next morning. Yeah, and it was kind of the extremely obvious decision to wait until everybody who needed to be there would be there and it wasn't just calling in people, you know, whoever was on call or whatever. But at the same time, the idea of having to sort of like live with this any longer than necessary seemed very challenging at the time. It was definitely not the choice I wanted to make. I wanted to have the C-section right away. I did not want to have to go home and think about it and no, I wanted to have the C-section right away. Yeah, I mean, we just received the worst news of our lives and really want to just kind of get things moving and not sort of have to stay in that, in limbo, in that space. You just want to kind of rip the Band-Aid off and mm -hmm. let's get this all over with. It, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. How about we do it all right now and try <laughs> to carry on? But... And I'm very much the type of person that as soon as I'm told something needs to happen, I don't like waiting. I don't like having time to think about that. I just want to get it over with. Like, let's just do this. Yeah, and I get that. Um, but it definitely only made sense to do it the next day and come back in for... Yeah. During the daytime when everybody was actually there. So I then asked if I could be the first C-section of the day, which would have been 8 a.m. And the doctor initially agreed and then went to schedule it and then had to come back and tell me that I couldn't be the first C-section of the day I, because the first person was already scheduled and that person had diabetes and therefore needed to deliver first thing in the morning Fair because enough. of fasting. And I, I mean, I get it. I agreed. So I was then scheduled as the sec second C-section of the day, which was scheduled for 
10 a.m. So we made some phone calls while in the hospital. Yeah, I don't even really remember doing that, but you told me (laughs) that's when we phoned people. You called your mom and I phoned my mom. Yeah. And I think those were like the only two phone calls we made. And then I think we only texted, like I texted two people or three people that night. Yeah. And like that was it. Uh, One of my very good friends came over that night and like helped me pack hospital bag. Well, I remember as soon as we got home, the first thing I did was I went to the fridge where we had all of her uh, ultrasound pictures printed out and stuck up on the fridge. And the first thing I did was I went to the fridge to take them down and it took me such a long time. I remember thinking that that was the hardest thing I'd ever done at the time. Full well knowing that I was in for worse the next day. Mm-mm. But I remember that was so hard, taking down all of her, uh, the ultrasound pictures off the fridge. Yeah. And we, like, put some things that we had, like, lying around the house away. But we also had to figure out, we had contractors scheduled to come the next day to start work on finishing our basement, which had been an ongoing project that had been happening all summer. Not just that we were lazy and needed people to finish our basement for us. <laughs> there was flooding and lots of insurance involved and foundations being repaired and stuff. <laughs> it wasn't just because I, I don't know how to paint or something. This <laughs> no. was, there was lots of moving pieces here. Yes. We then had to figure out who was going to come and take care of that the next day. Be in the house while the contractors were working on it. Uh, thankfully, my dad agreed to come and babysit the house. Yeah, and then we, like, tried to go to sleep. Yeah. Then... I think I got, like, maybe three hours of sleep that night. Yeah, that was pretty impossible. Just horrifying that whole night. Yeah, I don't remember a lot of it. I don't remember that much either, except that it was bad. Yeah. And then we got up the next morning... We got to the hospital earlier than we needed to be there, but I didn't want to be at home anymore. So being at the hospital seemed like a better option. (laughs) I don't know. And I remember I was like doing okay on the drive to the hospital. We like parked and we walked like all through the hospital until we got to the elevator go up to the labor and delivery floor and for some reason in there I started sobbing yeah I mean it was we'd been to the eighth floor many times before for all of our appointments that's where we had lots of ultrasounds Mm. and all kinds of stuff and it was usually an exciting place to go and a good place but obviously we were going for different reasons and then got out of the elevator and we go up to the nursing station to you know check in or whatever yeah, and I, I was like kind of crying, but kind of holding it together. And I just said like, oh, I'm here. I'm checking in a little early. I have my scheduled C-section at 10 a.m. And I didn't say anything else. And the lady <laughs> at the like check-in was like, okay. And she like took my health card and, you know, starts doing stuff and then looks at me and is like, but is everything Okay. And, and then, like, five nurses behind her kind of, like, tapped her on the shoulder and was like, no, no, don't, just don't, don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, like, clearly don't, every yeah, nurse don't. 
knew like there must have been like I don't know what they do if they like send out a memo or like there's like I don't know some announcement made at the start of like the shift or something because like clearly every nurse like knew and a nurse came around and was like I'm gonna take you to your room now we'll bring your health card and your bracelet to your room and like she just like I'm pretty sure I buried my head like into her shoulder and she just like wrapped her arms around me and led me to the room and I don't even I I was not watching where we were walking like I don't know what those halls look like to get to the room because my eyes were not open yeah you're gonna hear us talk about a lot of hospital staff and just to get ahead of that everyone we interacted with was an angel from heaven (laughs) who was like the most incredible person we'd ever met until the next person came to help us and then they were the most incredible person we'd ever met yeah basically like we had they took very very good care of us the whole way through so i do the one moment that i like did kind of look is walking into the room and I remember seeing on the door to my room was I believe butterflies or a butterfly on the door yeah and I like later learned that that's the like symbol they use at our hospital to signify that a loss is occurring in this room and it's basically so all hospital staff know when they walk in what is going on that it's not like a joyful time i know other hospitals use different symbols but most hospitals have a symbol that they put on the door so that people know so we got into the room and like immediately my nurse that was my nurse my day nurse for the next two days came in and introduced herself and she was amazing and I routinely tell people that I would not have survived this experience without her and not that like oh she saved me because I was in medical distress no she saved us because of how she handled the situation yeah and we still talk about her all the time and tell people about her and we're not going to mention her name because I don't know if she wants her name mentioned on a yeah. podcast. Like, you know, confidentiality. Um, but yeah, she was, she was the new best person we'd ever met <laughs> at that point. But just speaking of the room they put us in, we were like way at the end of the hallway, far away from all the other mothers and yeah. babies and stuff. Uh, we were like way off in our own zone. It was basically like the presidential suite of the hospital. It was huge. <laughs> We got this crazy room that was so nice, and and so labor and delivery is up on the eighth floor. I was going to say our room had such a great view, but (laughs) all of them are on the eighth floor, so they all kind of do, I guess. But uh, I remember one of the the things in the room that really kind of threw me off is that, you know, they have, like, the bassinet for the the newborn babies, Mm -hmm. and just sort of having that in there and when I was walking around the room walking by it and walking up to it that kept really throwing me Mm-mm. into a bad place Mm-mm. that's my memory of the room okay <laughs> yeah so we you know get in and I get changed into my hospital gown 
and they put an IV in, get me started on some fluids, and your parents came in. Yeah, both my parents. So my mom came, which is fully expected, but surprisingly my dad came, and he and my mom had to wait together, and they haven't like been in the same room for like 25 years, and so that was weird Except and surprising. Wedding. Except for our wedding. So, I, but anyway, yeah, so my, both of my parents were there. I love your parents and, you know, they're very great people. Looking back, maybe not, you know, the choice I would r- choose to relive to have them there in that moment. In the room? Yeah. They weren't in the room that long, were they? They were in the room when I needed to get up to go pee and I wasn't wearing pants. Well, they turned around or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I love them. But, you know, if I had to do it all over again. It was my idea. I didn't invite anybody. I know. <laughs> I didn't tell saying. anyone to come. I'm just saying, if I had to relive it, anyway, I would choose no. All right. Maybe you'll get your wish. Maybe you'll get to relive it. Thanks for that. Then, like, we started meeting all kinds of medical people. They were all so good. <laughs> so... Because I'm like a little bit of a complicated case, the anesthesiologist came and wanted to talk to me to make sure everything was going to go smoothly. And so that was like a big discussion. He was very fascinated in my like weird complex medical stuff and thought I was a super cool patient to talk to. And I also got to like, I don't know if this is normal when you have a C-section. I feel like it's not. But I met, like, the entire team that was going to be in the OR with me. So, like, every nurse came in and was like, hi, I'm, and, like, let me see their face. And talking to No, talking to, like, other women who have had C-sections, you know, in a normal situation, I'm pretty sure that's not normal. But I think they did it in my case in order to lower my anxiety so that nothing that was happening was going to be a surprise to me because they knew that there was already so much going on. Yeah, we didn't need any more surprises. Yeah. And then we met with a social worker. Oh, yeah. And did we meet with the psych team? Before? Before surgery. I think... I don't know. I think we did. Maybe. With the resident and then the actual psychiatrist came back the next day yeah maybe yeah so we saw i mean i also have a history of anxiety and depression and so i think because of that i was like flagged as higher risk for mental illness or postpartum depression or whatever so um, the psychiatric team also came and evaluated me i think (laughs) that was nice it was yeah Nice of them. We had, so we had a lot of people in the room. And then because I'm, again, a complex medical person, the doctors wanted to run like a few more tests before I went into surgery. And so my surgery that was supposed to be at 10 didn't start till like, we didn't leave our room to go to the OR until like after 11 o'clock. Sure. I think. Yeah. I do remember the moment that like wrecked me before surgery. So they like take me in a wheelchair to surgery and they park it outside the OR doors and Mike's with me and our nurse is with us and the like hallway lining the OR is just filled with incubators, which like, duh, like (laughs) obviously. But seeing the incubators just like, broke me because 
I knew that Eliza was supposed to be going in one of those incubators and was supposed to be going to Chio and like that wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. So then before before we went into the surgery though, our perfect nurse asked us if like once Eliza was delivered, did she did I want to get involved and cut the cord or whatever? Oh, she and... asked you that? Didn't she? I don't know. Um, I don't. <laughs> well, I, she was asking if she, we wanted to see her like right away in the delivery room, right? Yeah. And we. I said no. We said no. Like we we didn't know. The problem with all of this is we didn't know what we, we wanted, wanted because who <laughs> no like are we supposed to see her right? Like is that weird? Do we want to see this? What's that going to be like? I don't know. This is too weird. And we said no. We would you know do the delivery and then go back to the room and then figure it out after. And she said, fine. So anyway, back to the surgery. Yeah. So Mike had to wait in the hall while I was getting my epidural. So for any of you who have had an epidural, you have to like, you'll know, you have to like hunch your back so that the doctor can like find the right spot in your spine basically right so it means that you're like hunched over normally a pillow I did have a pillow like around my middle that I was like leaning over but then you're like leaning into normally a nurse so my nurse was standing there leaning and I'm leaning into her and I'm also like sobbing of course and at one point she was like oh you need a Kleenex and she like grabs a box of Kleenex and I think that she's gonna hand me some Kleenex to be like here blow your nose and I like went to reach for it and she was like no I got it and she just like shoves Kleenex like over my nose and I was like are you sure and she was like yeah yeah it's fine and so I just like blew my nose while she was holding Kleenex (laughs) at me and I was like this is wow we're like in this okay (laughs) yeah And so the anesthesiologist did tell me that my spinal anatomy is a little different than other people's spinal anatomy. Of course. Which, no kidding. Why wouldn't it be? He described it that he had to put a needle in the space of like half the size of an eraser that's on the end of a pencil. Like that's the space he was aiming for. Mm -hmm. And so he tried the first time and it's like a lot of pressure when they put the needle in like you feel an incredible amount of like pressure and so he I feel that and he puts the needle in and he was like okay how's that and I was like no out that hurts and he was like like actually hurts or just like you feel something in your back because there's like a difference in that and I was like no I have pain shooting all down my left side and he was like oh that's wrong hold on so he had to take like take it out and like readjust it and so he does the same thing again and he was like okay, how about now? And I was like, nope, pain. And he was like, again, he's like trying to get me to like describe what the pain is. And I was like, well, there's pain shooting down my right side now. And he was like, (laughs) okay, that's also wrong. On the third try, he did get it. And he was like, good. And I was like, yeah, I don't feel that. And he was like, perfect. That's how it's supposed to be. (laughs) So then I lie down and they start very slowly administering the drugs to freeze me. So normally this is like a little bit of a quicker process, but because of my heart condition, they wanted to be very careful and like very measured with how they were doing this. So they would give me a dose of freezing and then they have to wait 15 minutes to let it take effect before they can test you. And they test you using like a needle to like prick you. So he would like prick my hand and be like, oh, you can, can you feel that? Feel what that feels like? 
And I would be like, yeah. And then he would start pricking my legs to see if it was the same sensation or different. And so he does the first round of anesthesia and tests me. And I was like, nope, I can feel that. And so then he gives me a second dose and we wait 15 minutes and he tests me. And I was like, no, I can still feel that. Then he gives me a third dose and we wait 15 minutes and he tests me. And then finally I'm numb. And so then like everything starts, you know, they start like draping me and they insert a catheter, which is a very weird experience. And they cover you in pink dot, like antiseptic stuff. Mm-hmm. And so for this whole time, Mike has been out in the hallway. So it's like an hour-ish. So I've been sitting in my wheelchair <laughs> by myself in the hallway. Crying. <laughs> just like weeping. And yeah. Um, Meanwhile, like in the operating room in those, like in that time, I I wasn't crying. Like I was talking with the doctors and the nurses and I'm making jokes and like, I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I was having a rough time out there by myself. You were also by yourself. (laughs) Yeah. I did keep asking them to tell you what was happening. I kept saying. And they did. And people kept poking their heads out and stuff. And that's good. Yeah. Um, And so then Mike was allowed to come in and we were like getting started. We did have Mike sit in a wheelchair. Yeah. I told them beforehand that I have anxiety (laughs) very badly. And I don't know if it would happen during this experience, but maybe and so instead of making me sit on a like wobbly stool they gave me a whole wheelchair which was nice (laughs) basically so that he would be contained if something if he decided to like pass out or something yeah thankfully i mean there was too much going on there was absolutely no room for anxiety inside (laughs) of me there were too many other things already so that was not a concern i was very concerned about my anxiety and asked for medication to help that. So I had anxiety medication of some sort. I don't even know what they gave me. I had the anesthesia epidural to freeze me. And then ORs in general are very cold. And then of course, I also had a lot of adrenaline running through my body. Mm -hmm. And so I was a shaky mess. So, like, my arms were just shaking. And what the nurses tell you is, like, don't try and control the shake. Don't try and stop it. Just, like, allow yourself to shake. Because if you try and control it and you try and stop it, you're actually going to hurt yourself. And so I was, like, my arms were just, like, flailing around. And then it got really bad and my teeth started chattering. Yeah, you were really shaking. Really badly. And Um, you were doing such a good job. You did so good. uh, (laughs) I don't That whole, like, the actual surgery part seemed to go very quickly. It was pretty quick, I think. And I have no, I have no concept for how long. I know it took, we got, but it did feel pretty quick. Back to the room sometime after one o'clock. Sure, whatever. Like sometime between one and one thirty, I think. Okay. Because I think I asked what time it was. All right. Well, Eliza was born at what time? Twelve thirty-seven. Mm-hmm. So that tells you something. Yeah. <laughs> but also, Eliza was kind of born, and we didn't even realize it. Without much fanfare. Because, uh, yeah, we didn't realize until, like, a couple minutes after that she was... Because uh, oh. I can't see anything at yeah, all. Yeah, because they have, like, a big... Thankfully, screen there's up. a huge, giant screen Tarp. that I cannot <laughs> see beyond. Um, so I can see, like, Leah from the shoulders up. And that's yeah. it. And I'm, like, sitting at her head, basically. Yeah. So at one point, I'm feeling, like, a whole lot of tugging and 
pushing and pulling and I made a comment about it and the doctor said oh we're just putting your uterus back in yeah <laughs> and I was like oh okay she's been born and they were like oh yeah she's been born your nurse has gone to clean her up and she'll be back and I was like oh okay and so then once I was all like stitched up and good to go they you know get me back they like transfer me back to my normal bed and then they're gonna they like take me back to the room and it was at that point that I got like super loopy yeah you were pretty in and out for several hours most of the afternoon basically yeah so because I was like shaking so bad they gave me medication to stop the shaking because I think they were worried that I was like actually going to hurt myself because I was shaking so badly but that medication makes you nauseous so then they had to give me anti-nausea stuff which I think was ended up just being like gravel but that makes you incredibly sleepy so like with that and then I was probably coming off a pretty like intense in adrenaline high i just and the anti-anxiety meds yeah and the anti-shaking meds yeah it was just a lot and so. the meds that make you shake <laughs> you had a lot going on yeah so i remember getting back into the room and i think i said like two things to mike i said you where's my mom you need to call her and can you tell my best friend that i'm out of surgery yeah and mike did both of that and then my mom came in the room and I remember asking her for my headband because all my little hairs were like touching my face and they were making me so itchy. And so once I got my headband, I like pretty sure I just like passed out. <laughs> I don't really remember much. Yeah. Parents kind of came and went. You came and went. And we just kind of had a chill afternoon. I might have eaten food. I don't remember. I think our nurse was making you eat. That's right. She did make us make me eat something. But was that before surgery? Couldn't tell you. Yeah, maybe before. Mm. And then around like five o'clock, maybe a little bit before five o'clock, mm -hmm. I started to like feel a little more with it. And our nurse came in and told us that there's um, a volunteer organization that, I mean, it started in the States, but there's branches all over uh, and it's called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. And so there are professional photographers who volunteer their time to take photos of babies and families in this situation. And so we had requested to have the photos done. And Because mostly when she was telling us that, we were kind of like, oh, mm, mm. and then she basically said, you guys should just do it. And then if you don't want to, you don't ever have to look at the photos. But if you change your minds later, you won't be able to get more photos. And you're like, yeah, okay, I guess you know what you're talking about. Fine. <laughs> so she told us that the photographer would be coming around 7 and asked if we wanted to see Eliza. And we were like, um, can you just bring her like 15 minutes before the photographer comes and she was like well here's what I'm gonna tell you she looks very good right now and babies in this situation don't always look very good and I want you to see her now in case she starts to not look so good 
Yeah, and she was like, and if you're if you're done in 15 minutes, just give me a call. I'll come grab her. No problem, right? Yeah. And we're like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> this is going to be tough, but okay. Yeah, and so then they brought her in, and we held her, and our moms both got to see her. Mm-hmm. We were a little selfish in that we didn't let anybody else hold her. Um, Just us and our nurse. Yeah. <laughs> Are the only people that held her. Um, and I don't know if I would do that differently now. Um, but like in that moment, I could not imagine giving her to somebody else. Right. So the thing that I remember most about the first time I held her was how heavy she was and just like just how she felt very real and substantial and yeah she was substantial she was inside me let me tell you (laughs) just I don't know it's a weird thing to it was like a weird realization it's like oh she is heavy like a like a baby (laughs) so Um, what we what i like to joke and think about a lot is so when she was born eliza was two pounds eight ounces which is like heavier than what they would predict a 29 week baby would be so i always like to joke that she was a little heifer and also kind of jokingly i'm very afraid to have seen how big she would have been if they had allowed me to go their goal was to let me to go to 38 or 39 weeks and i'm like man she would have been huge and i would have been huge Mm -hmm. if that had happened because in the last part of pregnancy babies gain like half a pound to a pound every like week to two weeks it like starts to basically like they just gain more weight the long like the later you go so she was about to hit like her substantial weight gaining weeks and i'm was like man she was on track to be like over eight pounds (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is just large so coming from a place where we didn't know like we kind of figured we would see her we didn't know what that would be like how much we would like it how hard it would be how long we would want to see her for anything like that we were really kind of hesitant about it just honestly just because we didn't know what we want because how could you know what to want in this situation or what would be normal or what what you should want or what the right thing to do would be like we have no idea obviously yeah and basically what ended up happening was uh our nurse brought her in and then suddenly it was like five hours later mm-hmm. it, the photographer came the photographer <laughs> came and went took photos and then suddenly it was like 10 o'clock at night and we were like Oh. It was the fastest five hours that have ever happened. Mm-hmm. It was like nothing at all. It was so, so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very hard to give her up, even though we were... Well, I mean, we didn't have to. <sighs> like, she could have stayed in our room that night if we had wanted to. But we didn't want to. 
I think so. I think that's what it, like, ultimately was. We decided that, like, we were ready for her to go. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, man, I don't even remember talking about that. I don't know if it was, like, an explicit conversation we had. I think it was just, like, at a certain point, and this is kind of talking about grief a little bit, but, like, you can't live in that acute stage of grief all the time. It's not possible. So... And I think when we were holding her and spending time with her, that was also a very acute grief stage because it's, you have a very physical reminder of what is happening, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you need a break from that. Yeah. And we knew that. And we also knew we were going to have two more days. And we also knew she was right in the next door, in the room next door to us, and we could literally ask anybody to see her at any time. Yeah, and they would have brought while her. While we were there. <laughs> yeah, but that was, that was like our one good night with Eliza. That was like when we were trying to go to sleep that night. I remember that's what we were talking about. That was, you know, we had our one good day or one good night with our daughter, right? Yeah. And so, we'll, thanks to our nurse, we will always have that. Mm-hmm. And so, it was so, so, so important that we got to see her and spend all that time with her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, the nurses kind of, I think, like, bent the rules. I don't even know. So, Mike didn't have to sleep on the awful partner chair bed thing that is normally in a labor and delivery slash you know any hospital mother and baby room they brought in a like a gurney yeah and put like pillows and blankets on that for him so that he like actually slept on a quote-unquote bed it was amazing and i think mike went to sleep pretty i don't want to say quickly but like we didn't even talk about (laughs) what eliza looks like Oh. Eliza, it turns out, may have had some of my genetic material inside of her, but <laughs> that can't be proven because Leah literally just cloned herself. So, I mean, part of that, I mean, a lot of that is because of Noonan's. A lot of it is Noonan's because Leah looks like a Noonan's person and yeah. Eliza also happened to have Noonan's, as we know, but <laughs> like a very small Leah. And Eliza had a lot of hair. Yeah. And at first we thought it was It looked blonde. blonde. And I thought that like was Mike's my contribution. Hair. And we were like, oh, she got his hair. Cute. And then our nurse took a clipping of her hair. So we got a little lock of her hair. And when you look at it, it's, In it's the light, like straight red. It's red. <laughs> so maybe actually I will say her lips, I think, are your lips. Maybe. She doesn't have my lips. Well, yeah, maybe. I think they're yours. It's possible. But everything else, like forehead, my forehead. Nose, my nose. Ears, mm-hmm. my ears. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Uh Oh, toes, my toes. I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, you just have small feet that are like baby no, sized. No, her like toenails look like my toenails. Okay. Uh, anyways, I, I cloned myself, which, man, I don't know. 
it's kind of a cool thing to be able to say. Yeah. So we did get to spend two more days at the hospital. The hospital we were at, the Ottawa Hospital, they brought us, like, all kinds of crazy mementos and stuff that they did up. These, like, beautiful wood thing with her footprints on Mm -hmm. them and a nice little message that we can hang up. There's these, like, insane plaster casts of her hands and feet. Um, And it's like a big heart shape, and I'm terrified of breaking that someday. But it's like the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. I literally don't even know how they actually do it. It's so good. We have the the measuring tape they used to measure her. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have her crib card. We have two crib cards. We have her crib card that was actually, I guess, on her her bassinet thing, and also a bonus crib card. Uh, Our nurse put together this whole, like, scrapbook page with her name on it, and one of the two crib cards. And her handprints and Her handprints are on it. There's, like, an envelope on it with, that's where her lock of hair is. It's outrageous. Um... What else? We got a little teeny tiny hat that she was in. Oh, and her blanket. And her blanket, yep. Just... Oh, the, like, christening gown that she was in. Yeah. On the third third day we were there, we asked to see her again, and they brought her in, and she was in this, like, christening gown with the bonnet and everything, and we both just, like, lost it at that... So at that point, we should say, we like we had been moved to the mother and baby unit at the end of our second day in the hospital. And I fought pretty hard about being moved. <laughs> I am normally, when it comes to medical things, like a pretty easygoing patient. I'm very much like, well, this is what needs to happen, so, like, it's fine. I always welcome medical students into my room to be able to, like, give them teaching opportunities, and I'm not an over-exaggerator when it comes to medical stuff, so if I'm, like, I'm very matter-of-fact about what's happening. In this moment, I was none of those things. (laughs) So they told me that the labor and delivery ward was like getting kind of busy and that I would probably need to be moved to the mother and baby unit and I lost it. My nurse told me this and I just started sobbing and I was like I don't know I don't know how I'm supposed to be able to do this how do I do like no it's like not possible. The problem being well first of all we would be losing our beautiful presidential suite but the real problem being that we would be not far away from everybody else and we would be in the area where all the moms and babies are and all you can hear are crying babies all night long. Yeah, and, like, people are walking up and down the hallway with babies and, like, I was... Lots of excitement about babies happening in that hallway. And everybody's smiling and, like, I was just like, no, how am I supposed to do this? And so my nurse was like, yep, I totally get it. Okay, let me go talk to the doctors because if the doctors say it's not medically advisable, then then it like just doesn't happen and you just don't move and that's fine. And I was like, okay, 
good that we're gonna like save the day and so then the doctors come in and like want to talk to me and I you know they tell me like well we need to move you and I again just start sobbing and I'm trying to like choke out my words in between sobs saying like I don't know how I'm supposed to do this I don't think I can do this this just no I can't and the doctor was like well you'll be at the end of the hallway it'll be okay and I just like nope (laughs) don't know and so then our nurse did the most magical thing possible (laughs) and she just dragged her heels in moving me so she was on the day shift which means she would have been done at seven o'clock this was around like noon and she just like kept finding any excuse to be like well i can't move you right now it was like oh yeah, like, oh you're stressed out. you need the anti i think it started meds. with like oh you're having lunch and like oh we're getting you out of bed for the first time i can't move you during lunch oh we're like you have the psych team coming in to talk to you I can't oh. move you when someone's coming to talk to you that'd be too confusing for them oh uh you want to see eliza again okay well we're not going to move you right now because you want to have a visit have a visit with eliza because you want to have a visit with eliza and then I said, oh, well, when you move me, can I have something for my, like, anxiety so that I'm not, like, super freaked out about it? And she was like, yep, I think that's a great idea. So I'm going to order that medication, but that medication isn't kept on our floor, so I'm going to have to wait for it to come up from the dispensary, and then you're going to take it, but then, you know, I'm going to have to wait for it to, like, take effect. And, and so she just, like, dragged her heels all day on moving me. And basically moved me as her shift was ending yeah so so basically we got into the new room and we're like okay time to sleep i'm gonna put on something on my computer i remember i put on some random twitch stream yeah and i was like oh we could look it's this and it was some stupid i don't even know what it was like speed running some game i've never heard of it's like yeah this is this is noise and then after a while of that when we were trying to go to sleep i was like oh okay time to put on a relaxing sleep noises and i put on uh, like with my meditation app i put on extremely loud forest and river <laughs> sounds and nature sounds Oh, but we didn't say so my nurse when she transferred to me the, to the new room she like came in and gave us both big hugs and like told us she was thinking of us and she gave me a hedgehog stuffy so i love hedgehogs yeah important and context in the delivery the, room the gift to distract me, I think, she was asking me what Eliza's nursery looked like. And I was telling her, like, oh, we painted the walls gray. And she had this white furniture. And Mike had painted a hedgehog a few years earlier. And when he painted it, I said, well, well, that's going to go in the nursery one day. And so we have kept this painting. And it was ready to go in the nursery. And so she remembered this story and then went out searching for a hedgehog stuffy and I don't even know where she managed to find one but she found one and brought me a hedgehog stuffy and that stuffy slept in our bed with us well first of all I like carried it with me everywhere I went for the first like few months 
Oh yeah, it was did, always in I your did, purse or sticking out of your purse yeah, when like, we went places. I did not leave the house without Hedgy the Hedgehog. Um, Great name. Right? I wouldn't even like, Hedgy came with me to different rooms in the house in the beginning. Like Hedgy was in bed with me and then if I like transferred to the couch, Hedgy had to come to the couch with me. Hedgy was very like a very important component of my grief journey. <laughs> and then for a while, like, Hedgy slept in bed with us, in between us. And now Hedgy has moved to, like, my bedside table. But I have read, like, since then that, like, this is a very common thing and it is a thing that hospitals normally do. So hospitals normally give stuffies to bereaved parents. And it's actually, like, it helps in the physical need to hold and cuddle something because... And I'm assuming that this, like, is more, might affect the person who has, like, physically delivered the baby a little more. But, like, you have all of these hormones, postpartum hormones, like, rushing through your body, which is telling your brain and your nervous system that you need to be providing comfort to something. It's like, those hormones are to make sure that you keep your baby alive. But when you don't have a baby to hold, you still have a need to express that. And so it's like a very common thing that you have a stuffed animal and you kind of mm. give that attention to the stuffed animal. Yeah. You say hospitals provide stuffies. We heard the story afterwards of this hedgehog. She was like driving to different stores all over the place at 9.30 at night after her nursing shift all day. Yeah. And, like, calling her friend and stuff, asking if they knew where to get a hedgehog stuffy. This is not, like, oh, she went down to the hospital no. stuffy depository and just picked one up. But we have heard from other people that, like, they got, like, stuffed bears and, like... You know what I would have said if we got a bear? <laughs> Get this out of here. No, you wouldn't have. You would have loved the bear just as much as you love Hedgy. Um, yeah, so then we're in the mother and baby unit. And I mean, to be fair to everybody, we were at the end of the hallway. I don't think I saw any other people. We had, we had limited contact with at, other babies. While I was in stuff. there. We weren't in there. We weren't in there that long. It was mostly trying to sleep and make lots of noise with my computer or whatever and we woke up the next day we were kind of getting ready to leave and go home and we'd ask to see eliza one more time and that's when they brought her in with this in the christening gown and everything and we lost it again and i think so it was very clear to me that the nurses in labor and delivery were pretty like experienced in seeing this we never really saw any of them have a lot of like outward emotion like I could tell you know they were sad for us but I never saw them like cry in front of us mm -hmm. they like anytime they came into the room our day nurse and our night nurse they were like very composed and we saw like several nurses and I'm sure they were having all kinds of feelings but they obviously, like, have those feelings not in front of us, right? Because they understand we're going through enough. We don't also need to see their feelings about it. The nurses in the mother and baby unit <laughs> obviously do not see this as often. And that's because most people deliver, especially if it's a stillbirth where the, they know the baby has already died, they really encourage women to deliver vaginally because it's easier on your body. 
Yeah, so um, you don't have the major abdominal surgery right. to recover from. But that means that after eight hours, after delivery, you're cleared to go home. And the only reason why that if you deliver vaginally and have a living child, often people stay in the hospital for like a day or two, that is only because the babies have certain like wellness checks that they have to make. And so you could go home after eight hours of delivering a live child, but then you would have to go back to the hospital or go to your doctor at certain like hour increments after birth for the baby to be checked. And so it's honestly just easier to stay in the hospital. But when you deliver and don't have a living child, after eight hours, you're discharged. But when you have a C-section, you obviously have to stay longer and they need to make sure everything's okay. So the mother and baby unit often doesn't see cases like me. So, and those nurses were much more outwardly <laughs> emotional about the situation. We really bummed them out. We really like threw them. Um, I think almost every single nurse that came into our room in that unit cried in our room. Yeah, which is great. I'm not like, I don't want to say it bothered me. Uh, bothered you well i'm i'm a much more not that i'm not emotional i i'm a little more closed off about my emotions at sometimes and i learned especially in grief i couldn't handle other people crying when i in that moment wasn't sad right and i'm almost the opposite if we're talking about Eliza. So what ended up happening, we'll talk about this later, but if, um, like if I was talking about Eliza or even to the select few people showing, uh, pictures of Eliza or something, I, I want that person to be devastated. I want them to be weeping. I want this to be the saddest thing they've ever seen or heard. And if it isn't, then it's like, what is your problem? Why aren't you, why aren't you ruined by what it, I'm showing you? And I am the opposite. I do not want people to cry in front of me. I do not have time for your emotions. And I am not like prepared to deal with you and your feelings. You need to stuff that shit down and like have that moment some other time, not in front of me. So if... <laughs> Leah and I are both present. You cannot. You, you will not win. win. <laughs> you can't do it, right? Which is fine. Um, and that's just like everybody handles grief differently, and everybody handles this specific type of grief differently, and you really don't know how you're gonna handle it until you're in it. So anyway, brought her in a Kristen gown, and it looked great. Um, and we both started though, sobbing, and yeah, then I think the was, nurses were very afraid that they had done something wrong. They offended us. <laughs> Um, and we had to be like, no, no, it's fine. Happy tears. I'm not, I mean, we you weren't. Are, <laughs> you are not religious. <laughs> I'm like, not religious. Like, you were religious. not rela- raised with any kind of religion. No, and we weren't getting and I was raised or anything like that. I was raised Catholic. So there was not much of a religious component to Very our whole lax hospital. Catholic. Yeah. Uh, our whole hospital experience. You know, they had offered... But she just looked so good in her little gown. It was so beautiful. They had offered that, like, a minister or something would could come in and bless her if we wanted that. And I had said no. <laughs> but these christening gowns are made by volunteers who take 
donated wedding dresses and make gowns for babies Mm -hmm. um which is a great organization and if there's something like that in your community and you have a wedding dress that is sitting in your closet not being used you should definitely consider donating it i have my wedding dress that i will one day donate but i'm like holding out hope that we have a living child and maybe it's a girl and i can take baby pictures with the wedding dress and then donate it is that a thing yeah why i don't know because it's cute Like the baby wears the dress? Or like you use it in some way. Like a napkin? (laughs) No. (laughs) Like for women that have like big poofy wedding dresses, often it's like a toddler sitting with like, you know, the straps on their shoulder and like this big poofy wedding dress around them. I didn't have a big poofy wedding dress, so I'll probably just use it as like a blanket or something in the photo. All right. Like, you know, like have them like, sitting on it or that lying sounds on it. fun i don't know just a way to incorporate the wedding dress that i wore when i got married to you and now we have a baby and yeah you know loop it all together yeah i guess one last thing about the um all the goodies that we got the kind of loot bag that they sent us home with uh, so it was in a box a really nice box and again that was another situation where we had no idea what Oh, yeah. we wanted out of this we did not whole think experience. we were going to look at this stuff i had already told my mom like nope the box is not coming to my house yeah, you are we going, can't have this box in our house you're going to need to store it at your house put it in the attic we don't want to know where don't tell us maybe 10 years from now we'll look at we'll it be able to look at it but otherwise just hide it from us please and then obviously we got the box and we were like tearing through it in the hospital oh yeah uh it was all the most beautiful and touching and perfect stuff that we'd ever seen. And we're not going to get into getting home or anything. But needless to say, when we got home, we were looking through that stuff every day mm-hmm. for a long time. We would get that box out all the time and just look through it. So, yeah, it was definitely another you have no idea what you're going to want situation with all that to all the goodies there yeah and then then we were kind of like ready to go we gave eliza back and which was as hard as the other two times i think it was just it was it was really weird it was i don't know i don't even really know how to talk about it just being with her was so important, um, but maybe it was easier because we knew that we knew that it wasn't gonna be for a long time. We knew we only had these like couple little windows to see her. It was, I mean, the whole situation was impossible. Everything about it, from start to finish, there's nothing easy or good or fair about it. Um, and I mean, we talked to her lots and we told her all about our family and our friends. Yeah. That's one part that I'm like, kind of. So Mike has told me that like, yes, I mentioned all the important people in our life to her. But I don't remember what I said to her. And I find that really hard that I can't relive that. And I think that was a combination of medication that I was on, 
and grief and my brain just like blocking it out you just spoke really beautifully to her and it was i don't know i just always knew that you're an amazing mother and it was really nice to finally get to see it and the whole time the whole time that we had her we were just talking to her and a lot of it was sad and telling her about all the hopes and dreams and everything that we had for her, but a lot of it was nice and how happy we were to finally meet her and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we eventually we had to say our goodbyes. And then once we did, we were like both very ready to leave. It was very like a switch strange. flipped yeah we felt very i don't know we both had this very weird feeling at the same time and we're very lucky we did but it was this kind of at peace moment like it was time to go home yeah and again i've mentioned already how not spiritual or religious I am but especially on the drive home and sort of that first day at home it was like very strong sensation like of feeling her with us like it didn't feel like we left her at the hospital yeah I could very much feel that you know we were bringing her home with us just in a different way yeah than we wanted yeah I think that feeling stayed for you a little longer than it did for me. (laughs) Yeah. I think very quickly, I got very angry that I was at home and she wasn't here. Mm -hmm. But you kind of lived in this moment for, I think, a few days where you were like, no, like, I can feel her. and, And I wasn't feeling that. Yeah. So that sort of begins our grief journey. Yeah. Which is going to be, I guess, the subject of our next episode. I think so. Yeah. There's a lot of exciting stuff that happens after this. (laughs) Yeah. So thanks to everyone for making it through this episode with us. Neither of us, like, full-on sobbed, so that was good. Got a little teary. Yeah. Didn't think I was going to. Oh, I thought I was going to. Oh, well, you know, I'm the tough one in the relationship. It's fine. Well, (laughs) that's debatable. Rude. Yeah, so tune in again next week. Please send us your comments and questions if you have any. Oh, yeah. If you guys have questions about, like, anything, send them in. Uh, You can follow us on Instagram at babyquestpod. And you can follow us on Twitter at BabyQuestCast. And, I mean, if you know somebody who you think would like this podcast, share it with them. Yeah, that'd be nice. I don't even care about rating and reviewing. I mean, if you want to, rate and review. I don't know what that... Everyone says it's important and good. Like, ups your... Maybe it will be important and good someday when we have lots of people Analytics <laughs> or something? I don't know. I'm not too worried about it right now. But sh- I mean, just share I mean, we see the reviews. Yeah. Like, if someone writes a, something... We wouldn't see it. I'd be like, oh, that's nice. But really, just share it with other people. Yeah, that would be appreciated. 
and we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah. I love you. Bye. Mwah. Thank you.